James Letter, Faith That Works, Bible Study 3, Podcast 3. Hello, it's Andrew here. Uh, just summarising uh, the third Bible study we had together um, in a short podcast. We were looking at James chapter 1, verse 16 to 27. I'll begin by reading it. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of God does not produce the righteous the wrath of man, sorry, does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any one is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, his this one's religion is useless, pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We'll just pray. Father, help us as we look into thy word again that we might be blessed by it, that we might be able to bring from it something that will help each one of us as we listen in the Lord's name. Amen. In this next section of James' letter, having already encompassed the whole subject of who James is, the penman, and trials and temptations, what's the difference, and how do we deal with trials in our lives? You look at verse number 3 of chapter 1, of course. Um, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And that's the thought of 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 somehow looking upon that the tests that come into your life, the difficulties that you face, the problems that you face in everyday life as as friends that have come to bring you something of blessing into your Christian life. Uh, somehow it can produce something good and, and be a blessing. And so James has spoken much about that. Um, he's spoken about the need for wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberally. He's spoken of the need for faith and prayer when, when we're asking for wisdom in our in our trials. Um, he's also spoken uh, about the man who endures temptation uh, when he's been approved. He will receive a crown of life, verse 12, which the Lord promised to those who love him. And then he starts a section that really um, has to do with how we think about God in our trials. Let no one when he is tempted say, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one 
is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When desires is conceived, it brings birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So we're going to continue in that last little section because verse 16 and to 18 is really kind of still connected to the past uh, section. And then we're going to use it as a bit of a bridge into our current section, which is how we uh, hear and do the word of God. So the big subjects here are my attitude, firstly, to temptation and trial, and also my attitude to the word of God, where I find wisdom from and uh, and so on. So so James is extremely practical. Um, uh, when James is speaking, what he is doing is he's really intending to convey to us um the most practical elements of christian life and christian living and so there's nothing bigger than our everyday life and facing trials and how we're to deal with them um and there's nothing bigger than how we really interact with the word of god so these are great subjects uh, and as we continue we'll see that that james moves on in this in a like vein so the hymn writer has put it like this when it comes to the word of God that's what we're going to be thinking about uh, for the next few minutes speak O Lord as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word take your truth plant it deep in us shape and fashion us in your likeness that's uh, Keith Getty and Stuart Townend have written that um, that's helpful because what it's really bringing out is the fact that the word of God is meant to impact our lives. It's not meant to be just merely something that comes into our head and, and isn't academically understood by us. But it's meant to really change our lives. And it starts with having the right mindset as we come to the word of God. Thinking right. If you go to the second page of the handout, you'll notice I've split the section into verse 16 to 18. Thinking right. Verse 19 to 21, listening well, and verse 22 to 27, doing the word. So we'll just think through those few minutes each, uh, and um, hopefully that will be sufficient. Thinking right. Do not be deceived, he says, verse 16. Don't be deceiving yourselves. Don't be deceived, actually. Don't be led astray. You see, leading astray doesn't start when someone, you know, outwardly feels and, and it's obvious that, that, they have, that they have sinned. Usually it already has begun in the mind. Um, that's where Satan started attacking Eve and, and things have not changed. So the, the kind of specter in the background of this little section not mentioned here is, is the tempter himself. The one who does do the tempting because God doesn't tempt people. He doesn't try to solicit people to do evil. He tests people, yes, but he doesn't tempt them because God himself is pure and he doesn't tempt anyone. That's verse 13. But we are tempted when our own lusts, our, 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 our own desires are, are taken up and, and developed and utilized by Satan to bring forth this horrendous birth process, giving birth to death, uh, birth to sin and sin when it has reached adulthood brings forth death and so that's 14 and 15 and then he says don't be led astray my beloved brethren you can see the affection that James has don't be led astray um, 
someone has said, and it's not just David Jeremiah, although he has said it, I think it's before him, you're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. You notice the difference where the comments placed. Our thoughts are so important when it comes to Christian life. Every good gift and every perfect gift, he goes on and writes, comes down from the Father of the lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits of his creatures. So what is he saying here? Um, he's saying our thinking about God has to be protected and our thinking about ourselves. Verse 17, our thinking about God. Verse 18, our thinking about ourselves. This is the positive side of how we think about God. The negative side is seen in verse 13. God cannot be tempted with evil. He doesn't tempt anyone. That's his purity in a negative sense. This is his purity and perfection in a positive sense. Every good gift every perfect gift is from above you remember in the garden of eden um all the trees were given you know, satan comes along and said do you mean god has stopped you from eating that one he's changing the whole process the thinking uh, of the woman so that she'll think that god is somehow miserly and if we're going to protect our mind from trial from temptation and and have the right mindset to look into the word of god in the right way we might we have to understand this we have to understand that god is absolutely good and he gives good and perfect gifts and they come down to us from the father of the lights that's really what it says here there's an article before lights it's the father of the lights this is this is beautiful because uh, just as you see those lights when you look up into the sky at night time the, uh, the moon and, and the stars and perhaps in the daytime the sun as well they're the god who put the lights there they take their character from him he is their father in that sense but there's a difference with him because they they do shine forth and they do in some way show that god is a god of light but they have variations. There's movement, for instance, in the stars at times and various things like that among the, the, the planetary systems. Um, there's a sense that even the sun, as it goes down, it casts a shadow uh, behind anything, as we know. But what he's saying here is that this, the father of lights, the one who is the source of all the lights, there is no variation with him. He's absolutely consistent. There's no, there's no dark spots in in his sun, uh, in his light, and there is no shadow cast by his movement or by turning. So, in other words, um, there is no way that we hide from his presence. He is light, and he is in the light. This is John, First uh, John chapter one. In a way, he is not God. Not only is God light, and in him is no darkness at all, but also he is in the light. The next verse says. So he's saying this is how good, how perfect, how pure God is, and every good gift or every good giving, really the thought, and every perfect gift is from above so remember that about god he says if you're thinking right about him you'll be able to understand his word better then verse 18 he says he tells us something about us of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures 
of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So this is God, the good God, the the kind God, the God who is all pure and all light. He has brought us forth. Now you notice the difference. This is a birth process again, but it's not that kind of contorted birth process of verse number 15. Uh, the desire when it's conceived brings birth to sin. Sin when it's full grown brings forth death. And that's quite a graphic um, not a very nice word in relation to birth, but this is this is our begottenness. We are born again by him of his own will. He brought us forth. And how is it? It is by the word of truth. Now, this is the first inkling that we're going to be dealing with the word in more detail. And you'll notice if you look down the passage, several references to the word. He'll speak of the word of truth. He'll speak of um the word itself on its own um he'll speak of, of the perfect law of liberty and so on different references oh the implanted word as well in verse 21 uh, to the word of god so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of god now we're moving on from thinking right to listening well now there's moral conditions for the word that's what we're seeing here so then you are a kind of first fruits in the verse 18. In other words, just with the first fruits, the best, the first was brought to God, uh, and that was the start of a harvest. So we are, as Christians, our first fruits. We have been brought to God, and we are a kind of harvest of a coming day when, when the whole of creation, in a sense, is going to be regenerated. In fact, that word is used, as far as I remember, um, of of Christ in the regeneration, at the end of the age. So so we we have that particular special privilege, and because of that, there's there's responsibility on us. Let each man, let every man, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. He says this is what marks us out as different. Our ear is in tune with heaven. We're swift to hear the truth of God, the wisdom of God. We're slow to speak when it's unnecessary. We're slow to, to, to maybe speak against God. I think there's maybe a wee bit of that in the background here. And slow to wrath, slow to get angry with God. Think of the Old Testament people who got angry with God. Think of your Jonas. And I'm sitting down in chapter 4 angry with God uh, because he was blessing people he didn't think should be blessed. Think of Job even, a wonderful man though he was. We think of these things. And really what he's saying here is that we have to cultivate a, a, a self-control that, that makes us swift to hear the word of God, slow to speak out or slow to be angry uh, against whether it's in trials or, or in the circumstances of life. For the wrath of man, the anger of man, doesn't really produce the righteousness of God. Notice the contrast, the wrath of man, the righteousness of God. And that's really what's being brought out here, this contrast between man's anger and God's righteousness. Now, this is God's righteousness. This is practical righteousness in life. You see, uh, James isn't here speaking about justification or righteous standing before God so much as um, how do we live a righteous life? And being angry about something, getting frustrated with yourself or getting frustrated with others, for instance, in your Christian life, will not produce this 
end result. We have to be calmed and settled in the presence of God. Now, look at the next verse. Therefore, laying aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Um, actually, therefore, laying aside. It's, it's, it's the, the form of it. It's laying that aside. It's, it's an aorist tense. It's the thought of, of, of being decisive about it. Laying aside all, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And again, aorist tense. Receive. And, and, and actually, it's in the middle of voice. If you're into that kind of thing, it's in the middle of voice. It's do it for your own good. It's in your own interest. To receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, there's a few things here. The implanted word. You remember back in verse number 18, um, he has begotten us, he has born us again by the word of truth. Now, what he's saying here, like in Matthew 23, um, the seed falls into the good ground where it finds the right kind of soil. It it starts to bring forth 30 and 60 and 100 fold, that kind of thing. Um in the in that good soil, that's what happens. And what he's saying is, just remember this implanted word. This word, uh, it's not. It is really the thought of planting here. It's not so much engrafted. It's implanted. That's gone down into the soil. But there's all these other things that are like weeds around that need to be cleared out. The filthiness that that that's moral. Um, filthiness, overflow of wickedness or or badness or malice or evil that that's more perhaps the thought of of this um that hatred that can grow up um and we have to take these all away and and our the the flowers of meekness is how we are to receive the implanted word this this attitude of of humility of spirit um humility and quietness and acceptingness of god's will it's it's in that way that we listen to the word properly. And it's in that way we can be blessed by it, which is able to save your souls. What's the thought here? Well, this is, I, I illustrated it um, by the thought of, of, of imagine a, a plane taking off from the runway and there the, the wee stewardess or is standing up and, and, and is doing the uh, putting on of the life jacket and showing you all that and so many people are sitting around and they're all sleeping and all that but the problem is this what that lady is doing could potentially be for the preservation of the life of everyone in that plane and so if we realise that truly if we thought this, the plane was going to go down, imagine it was the middle of the air and we said, the, 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 the pilot said, we'll just go over these things again because one of the engines isn't working properly. All of a sudden, everybody would be twigging it. And this is what, this is what James is saying. He's, Listen, the word is able to save yourselves, your souls, but perhaps in the sense of preserving yourselves, your persons. Um, perhaps not saving your souls eternally, that's true, already uh, has, They've been begotten again, verse 18. But looking forward, is he able to preserve you in your life? I think is more the thought. So that's listening well. Um, How is your garden in your heart? Um, 
I've put a little picture on the handout. Mary Murray, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? How did your garden grow? How does my garden grow? You remember the, the word of God, when we come to it, something will keep us from enjoying it properly. The barrier that is that is sin will stop us from properly listening to the word of God. So either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book, as John Bunyan say. Now, finally, doing the word of God. That's the last little section. From verse 22 to verse 27. Now, you could be... Um, if you were wanting to splice and dice it a little more, 22 to 25 is slightly separate from 26 to 27. But you can look at that in your own time. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Verse 22. Deceiving yourselves. See this? Deceiving has come up again. Deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself. He goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues it in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So here's a picture, a word picture that James is so fond of. Um, here he has another one. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He speaks of a mirror. Now he says the man observes, and he observes himself, he says in the next verse, that's not the thought that he just has a casual 30 second, 20 second, five second glance in the mirror and then he goes away and forgets about it. No, it's actually more the way a lady would look in the mirror. Um, that's not every lady, of course. Um, but generally, you know, a lady might sit down in front of a mirror and look for longer. I have a friend I mentioned and she looks for an hour every day in a mirror. Uh, just making sure her face is just right. Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying, now, you have, you, your mind has been thinking right and you've heard properly at this point. You know, it's it's gone down into your heart. It, it's made an impact. You've You've heard, you've observed. And yet you still go away and you forget it. You still walk away from the mirror and forget that you have something to wipe off your face. You still you say, oh, isn't that, I, I observe that. I can see there is a mark here that needs to be sorted before I go outside. I can see I've got some food on my face that needs to be removed. Whatever it is, that is what um, is the thought. And yet still that man goes out and walks down the street and forgets he has the food on his face. Now, this is really serious because think of how many times you've been in a meeting or you've, you've listened to Bible teaching, whatever it is, and it's impacted you. And you said, I want to change. Uh, that that is for me and, and it's got down into your heart and you really feel that you've, you've submissively even bowed to it. But but look at this. You, you get into the car and you go home. And if it survived the journey home, you maybe pray about it once or twice. And within a week, you've forgotten about it. Maybe maybe let's let's imagine someone's speaking on loving your neighbor as yourself and being kind and, and going out of your way for your neighbor. And, and you say, well, that's what I want to do. I want to be like that. I, I want to be, you know, I want to invite my neighbors around, whatever. And um and yet you go home and you maybe smile at your neighbour the next day and say hello and how are you um, 
and and that's all very good but within a few days you've forgotten you've forgotten the fact that you were going to really change and that's really the thought behind this and yet he who looks um, into the perfect law of liberty this is the law <clears throat> now James didn't have the full canon of the New Testament he seems to be referring to the teachings of the Lord say the the, the Miss the, the teachings of, for instance, the Sermon on the Mount, as as the answer to Old Testament truth. So the the moral teachings of Christ, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that which brings freedom, not bondage. He tells in Acts fifteen about a law, and when you put it in the back of people, it brings a bondage. But he says there's a, there's a true there's the essence of of, of spirituality contained say, in the Lord's words, and we know on the other side of the cross, there's a lot of other truth there that will be unpacked by Paul. But looked into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. He's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And then he says, everyone who thinks he is religious, and he doesn't bridle his tongue. He deceives his own heart. His religion is useless. Let's think of that just for a minute. He's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. He continues in it, verse number 25. That, I think the ESV has, he perseveres in it. That's it. We need to persevere in following after doing what is in the word of God now there might be a sense in which we are ticking boxes and there's a kind of outward thing about it and well he says you know if anyone thinks he's religious he says there's a few things you have to understand if you don't control your tongue you're deceiving your heart your religion is useless in other words the first evidence of self-control there's the first evidence of self-control of spiritual health if you like is the tongue test that's very solemn to me because i know i have not bridled my tongue at times the tongue test just as the doctor tells you when you go in to open your mouth i'm going to look at your tongue and i can tell so much about your health from your tongue your spiritual health can be told from your tongue as well do not bridle, he does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This one's religion is useless. That's very, very straight, isn't it? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the Lord. He says, you want some outward sign that you're real, that you truly know the Lord? That it's not just a, a ritualistic thing, just a religious thing. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit or, or, orphans and widows. So this is, he's exhorted with a picture, verse 22 to 25. He's now explains pure religion. Notice grace is at work here. It's before God and the Father. Notice it's firstly self-word. He controls his tongue. tongue. Then it's God-word. It's before God and the Father, not before other people. You remember Matthew chapter 6? The Pharisees, that seems to be the background. 
Matthew 6. You read down Matthew 6, uh, you'll, you'll really get the, the connection here. Uh, there's a contrast between your father who sees in secret and the Pharisees who were going out and, and they were wanting people to see what they were doing. But really, the the believers, the, the disciples of the Lord, were to come into the Lord's presence. And your father who sees in secret, whether it's almsgiving or, or prayer, um, or whatever it is, or fasting, um, it's all to be done before the Lord. That's the focus. And then people word. Self word, God word, and then people word. You care for people. Having fulfilled the first half of the law, in that sense of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you love your neighbor as yourself, uh, your orphan, the orphans and widows in their troubles, and keep yourself unspotted from the word. Now that is divine order, and that is the way God expects us to live. I hope this has been a good summary. There's one or two other things in the handout that you can also get if you want. May the Lord bless you.